This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care, so don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Last summer, you were in the middle of it for like six, seven weeks. When that, when it's happening and you're in it, are you reading the tweets? Are you reading the stories? What are you doing? Uh, you try not to, but it's it's coming in waves. Waves. You can't help it. Waves. Just the fans, the media, um, just in waves. It's coming. Because now you become the center of attention. And also the value, you kind of notice like how great you are as a player for like a good six, seven weeks. Like teams are like, Oh, it's fake trades. Yeah. It's just the possibility of the mock trades and you know, it just, it boosts the ego a little bit. So you know, it's, it's, it's heck of a situation to be in, but you know, hope for the best. Does it boost the ego or sometimes it's like, Oh man, I'm not, I'm worth more than that. Come on. Uh, it could do both. It can, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's a tough position to be in because at the end of the day, um, the speculation from everyone else of why you want to, as for a trade is going to come out stories of uh, what you, what you were doing behind the scenes and leaking. And just like, it just becomes a mess. And at the end of the day, you just want to be happy playing basketball. What really happened? What's really going on? Mm -hmm. The Kawhi thing is piercing questions. Yeah. Well, yeah. that your thing was abrupt. Kawhi's thing was an all year thing yeah. where mm -hmm. he didn't come back. Then something was clearly wrong. Then he was practicing away from the team. And then mm -hmm. he didn't go to the playoff games and things like that. Yeah. So I kind of felt like this was building. The thing with you in Cleveland last year, I think people were like, what? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. going? Yeah. yeah. And then I never actually thought the trade would happen. And then it happened to my favorite team. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, my favorite team was one of the teams involved. I'm like, 
nah, this this won't happen. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. And, and then me, all of a sudden it happened. Call me a logo off guard too. But I mean, I was happy that they that they pulled the trigger and they took a chance. When you knew you wanted to get traded, did you have a list in your head of teams or situations? What were you thinking? Uh, yeah, I did, but um, ideally it was going to be up to the team regardless. So, um, you know, I, I would like to think I had um, somewhat of, of a leverage point. Yeah. yeah but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was going to be a business move for the Cavs and, um, you know, in order to for us to part ways kind of respectfully. What was the most important thing for you Look at looking back a year ago? What was the first thing you wanted? Um, uh, just kind of being in a place where I could see myself for a few years and um, kind of positioning myself with some other great players. Um, you know, you, that, that's when the, the texting and the calling starts happening. Hey, man, like, yeah, trying to do this. And, um, you know, the, the shift in the league or of our generation is like we – you know, it's for me personally. I'm gonna speak on kind of my my viewpoint of it. it's like we all want to play together at one point. Um, you know, whether that's now or later in our career. You know, we 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 kind of want to have fun playing with it. You know, we all kind of spend time in in LA or New York, and we all see each other. So it's cool when you can can have like other great players on the team and other great uh, player uh, teammates, and then you go for a championship. You know, we just want to be happy. I want to be happy, if anything. So. What what do you consider your generation? Because it's usually it starts you guys meet each other when you're like 12, 13, 14 yeah. at these AU things. So who's like in your class? Uh, in, in terms of what, like, I just like who are the guys you grew up with that you've been playing against since you were fourteen? Uh, like Kevin Love's two years older than you. like Westbrook. Yeah. Love those guys are a little bit older. I think Caleb's three years older than yeah. you, maybe. But I would say that um, like Davis is he a guy from? Yeah, no, I, I've known, I've known AD for a little bit, but um, I would say, you know, kind of being, um, you know, being in that uh, environment of high level basketball uh, at an early age, um, meaning, you know, once I left Duke, you know, I was at the USA camp and yeah. playing against Cole, Russ, you know, seeing AD play on the USA team and then playing with him in 2014. Yeah. Um, you know, playing with James. And after a while, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to, to play on, you know, all-star games and stuff like that. So you start building relationships over time. So I didn't really know many people until I got into the league of, you know, this is high-level basketball. So why not build, build some relationships? It's good to be you in those games because you have the ball. <laughs> yeah, the point guard's always the most important person yeah, in yeah. those games. Yeah, for sure. Ultimately, you're deciding who gets to shoot. Yeah, yeah, but those guys are, you know, I've like I said, I've been very fortunate to play with some great players. So, you know, you kind of just you can sit and and stare at times too. They're they're just really great, you know. I did a podcast with KD. I've done a bunch of them, but we did one last year after I think it was right after you got traded or right when you maybe before you got traded. And he was talking about Kyrie loves to ball. He doesn't want to do any of this. He doesn't want to deal with any of this other stuff. He just wants to know Here's my team. I don't have to deal with anything else. I just want to play basketball and work on my game and try yeah. to win basketball games. Is yeah. that an accurate assessment? Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's like one of my close friends as well. So, um, you know, he definitely hit the kind of the hammer right on the head with that one. Um, you know, I was appreciative that he even, even came out and said it because, uh, you know, the appreciation I have for the game goes deeper than kind of what the lifestyle breeds sometimes. Yeah. You know, so it, it can get... It can get confusing at times. It can get cloudy just based upon, you know, kind of the responsibility you have as a professional athlete in the NBA and what you represent and your brand and stuff like that. And then, you know, your love for the game kind of gets 
squandered and all that sometimes. And, you know, you can see it. Some guys have lost passion for the game at times and they've had to, you know, deal with years of just kind of separating themselves or their down years. You know, that's yeah. not necessarily they haven't been working on their game. It's just the passion sometimes can get lost and you start making decisions and it could get it can get really, really, really hard. You yeah. know? And mentally it's it's a test. So so, Did you feel like your skills had become underrated just because you're playing with LeBron, who's one of the three greatest players of all time, that some people kind of took it for granted a little bit, some of the stuff you were great at? Uh, not necessarily. I think that, um, you know, the, the authentic fans of basketball understood, you know, what I brought to the game. I think that, you know, playing with other great players of, of you know, and Katie said it the other day of how to stand out within that, you know, and just make sure that, your confidence and you're working on your game and you're, and you're showcasing it. Um, yeah. you know, and inevitably you're playing with a great player like Braun. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel like that right there is a testament of greatness of how you adapt to those situations, you know, instead of kind of, you know, willing away from the challenge of figuring it out and adapting and, you know, like why run away from it? So I, I went full force and just like took it, it took it by the head. And, um, you know, there at times it was really, really tough, really, yeah. really tough. But, I mean... What was tough about it? Just not having the ball all the time or just the spotlight that he brings? No, I would say, like, you, you're you being tested on, on the biggest stage in front of everyone, like, all the time. Yeah. All, all the time. I mean, like, there was not a time where it was, like, the eyes wasn't on our team, wasn't yeah. on Braun, wasn't on me, wasn't on K-Love, like, our team. It just... Our organization. It was just, like, I went from being in Cleveland to, you know, having kind of, you know, half the fans show up to now, Bron comes back now, every night is packed. Yeah. Every road game is like a, you know, somewhat of a home game for us. Um, you know, you think about the media attention that comes with all of that and just the the, the elevated pressure of like, okay, now it's championship or you fail. And, um, you know, then you got to fig- figure out how do you fit in within the system? Like, yeah. Basketball is a system, systemic game. So how how do you build that strategy and how do you fit in with that? And it was tough. I always call it the bullseye. And I think the Warriors dealt with this the last four years, and especially KD walked into it the last two years, where yeah. just night after night after night. I talked to Iguodala on the court after they won the, the title last week, and he was just saying, just never ends. It's like every day. Yeah. Social media, it's just day after day after day after day. Mm-hmm. There's this bright, bright spotlight on you. Yeah. And some guys get tired of it. Yeah. You know? It's like, we're, well, I mean, we live in that day and age. Like, you get, yeah, At least you get paid, though. That part's good. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. But it just, even you that value. You fly on charters? Even, even that, even that <laughs> value of of kind of <laughs> building that, you you know, like after a while, you're just like, all right, man, the game of basketball is, is really all I want to do and prepare every single day and work on my craft you know, and have some fun with some great guys around, you know, as you get older. Um, and I, and I talk like I've, like, I'm like, like you're yeah, 40. I'm not, but, yeah. I, but it's just like, you know, I'm going on my eighth year now and I've kind of experienced a lot within the league and, you know, it changes kind of your perspective a little bit over time. Like I just want to be in a situation where I'm happy and going after championships rather than it feeling like it's a maniacal job every single day dealing with different personalities and, yeah. and everything just in, in general, in a workplace, like you just, you deal with that, that stuff and you got to find your happiness within that. Yeah. I was surprised when it became clear that you were available last summer, <laughs> that you were weirdly underrated as a player. <laughs> I felt like I was taking crazy pills because I was like, 
oh, he's worth this. He's one of the best nine guys in the league. And people are like, well, actually, we have no idea if he can run a team. We don't know if he's a franchise guy. I was like, what are you guys talking about? Guy <laughs> <laughs> hit, the, hit the finals winning shot in a game seven. And, yeah. and I, I just, I didn't understand it. Yeah, no, I. it comes with it, man. The perception itself. It was just weird. I mean. Because I always judge basketball players. You know, I love going to the finals. I love when that spotlight gets super bright in those games and you can feel it in the arena. Mm-hmm. And it's just like certain guys step up. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the 2017 finals. I know it was only a five-gamer, but it really did feel like it was you and LeBron versus Katie and Curry and mm-hmm. then everybody else. But it was toe-to-toe. And that series was closer than I think people realize. Yeah. It, if I was running yeah. the Cavs, I would not have traded you. I would have <laughs> just taken you to dinner out every night and... Bought, bought you uh, iPhones and iPads and whatever. <laughs> just trying to make you happy. What are you? What do you need, Kyrie? Oh my goodness! I appreciate that. But. I just thought you guys were really good last year. Yeah. Zach Lowe was saying that uh, in the playoffs you were a top five offensive team like all time in that in the 2017 playoffs. You went against a Warriors team that had lost the year before and was super hungry and motivated. It was Katie's first time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And he played unbelievable. And he was great. Like he was just. Him and him and stuff. Um, Could you identify with some of the stuff he was going through this year? Because he definitely was up and down, and it did seem like he it, the yeah. season wore on him a couple of times. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, kind of uh, being on top of I call it being on top of Mount Everest, like that climb. You know, that steady climb. It starts in the summertime, goes throughout the season. Once you get on top of of Mount Everest, and you're like, and you're standing there, the 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 like you're enamored with your personality. Like people are just loving like, you know, yeah. finals MVP, you know, NBA champion. And, um, you know, after that it's like, so what's next? Yeah. You know, and it's just like, Oh, we have to do it all over again. And I have to now go through game one through 82 as if it's has like, it holds a certain value to, to me. Like, it, you know, after you get there, you're like, whew, Okay. That's what, that's what he was after. I mean, he was after winning a championship, being the best player on the floor, and he accomplished that. Now it's like, okay, what's next? And people are going, and I think he thought when they won the title, it was going to relieve some of the shit he took, and mm-hmm. it didn't. Mm-mm. People are like, oh, you chased the title. Yeah. And then he was like, really? Now nah, I'm still, I'm the finals MVP. I'm still taking shit. And I, I do think it affected him. I thought I thought he, it affected him during the season. But he, I think that he, he does an incredible job of, kind of willing himself to to yeah. those like even to those moments of of showcasing why he is that great yeah you know and, and it's great to see as a fan of basketball like i love playing against him but also love watching him it's just he 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 has a presence about him that's like really unassuming but he dominates games and you know 30 plus is easy for him but then you see him get 10 assists some games and eight assists and he or or you know 14 rebounds where he had in the finals or the, the game four um where he had the triple double and he's just like working on his craft. And yeah. I, and I think that in itself was like, okay, I got the championship. Now I just want to work on my craft. And now, you know, of course our platform that we're inevitably on as athletes becomes like everyone just starts attacking. Like, no, you're not, you're not enough. You're not this, you're not yeah. that. And it's just, bro, like, just give it a break. Like, <laughs> like seriously, bro, like give it a break. Like, like let it go, man. Like, yes, he's on an incredible team, but He's also the best player on that team. Were you okay when he switched to them? What was your feeling? Yeah, I was happy for him. Yeah, I was happy for him, man. I, it, at the end of the day, if you can control your experience, like he he wanted that. So 
I'm not the one to be opposing in any way for that of someone making a decision for their lives, which is kind of why I was an advocate of of why I, I you know when I came out with my trade like like no, I'm just trying to be in my own truth. I'm trying to figure out you know kind of my life. You yeah. Know, no disrespect to anyone else, but this was a decision I had to make for me. Right. You know, and people you know some people understand it, some people don't, but at the end of the day, it just really doesn't matter. You mentioned at the top of the podcast you were talking about your generation. Mm-hmm. How it's definitely, and I think it started with the decision in 2010 when uh, when LeBron went to Miami, and it's led to this decade of player empowerment yeah. and players being controlled. And we're seeing it this weekend with Kawhi. Yeah. He's not a free agent yet. I call no. it pre. I, I think he's a pre agent. <laughs> a pre agent. Yeah, he's 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 celebrating his pre agency right now. Yeah, no, I was well, I was talking to my best friend Alex earlier about this, and I was saying that when LeBron did that in 2010, I think as a free agent to to do that is like what he did was incredible, you know, in terms of player empowerment. And then now you look at where players are now realizing their own value within the organization and yeah. what they bring to the, to other teams. And now they're controlling it like as, as best you can, like not being disrespectful to the team, but now we're just open and honest about how we feel about our life outside of basketball and how it affects. And when there's a, like a, a very, very smooth correlation between that, like life and then basketball, but it actually, it's pretty cohesive. So, um, you know, and now you see it like, no, I don't want to be in this situation anymore. Like I actually want to be somewhere else and I'm going to communicate that with you. And I know my value. I know that, you know, we're, if this is going to work, I have to part ways and you right. just go about it. And now it's like, you don't have to wait until free agency to do that anymore. The team doesn't have to trade you, but it's like, now you can communicate it. You know, it's just, you want your team team to be happy. So, you know, you want your star player to be happy. And if he's not, then what are you going to do to fix it? And are you going to trade him away? Do you think but, that's your generation though? You're a millennial. Are you an official by millennial? By the way, I love, I love that word millennial. Are you a millennial? Or you might be too young to be a millennial. I can, I can never tell what the what the age range is. But I think the, <laughs> the younger- fact that, The fact that we get grouped as millennials, <laughs> like as like a, a 20 from an older generation is like, no, no, you guys are like, oh, okay, we had the baby boomers. Okay, we had the, you I know, was the generation internet X. age and generation X, and now we got millennials. Like, all right, all right, but all right, millennials- guys. Okay, we're okay, we're we're just we're just gonna group everybody as millennials. I think you're a post millennial. Probably. I mean, I don't even know. But I'm 26, so regardless, your generation is used to. <laughs> Here we go. Your gen. No, no, yeah, this is good. Talks. You're gonna I like love this. These talks. I'm bringing this around. You're right. gonna you're gonna be in on this. Your generation decides your entertainment value at all times. The streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever show you want to watch, you can watch it. If you want food, you just order from wherever it's going to show up. Yeah. You have your phone. Um, just everything. I'm sorry it's getting hot in there. Is one of the air conditionings on? No, you're good. You're yeah. good. Don't worry about I'm it. take mine off there. Um, whatever you guys want, you can basically like, all right, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's available. Accessibility. And now it feels like that's trickling in the NBA in some ways. <laughs> where people are like, I'm not happier. I'd rather go there. Yeah. And then that happens. At the same time, as somebody who studied NBA history and wrote a book about it once, this has been the league the entire time. Like Will Chamberlain 50 years ago was like, eh, I want to go to the Lakers. And they traded on the Lakers. So I do feel like the league, the way it's built, it's built around stars. And if stars become unhappy or they start looking elsewhere, they start thinking about moving. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I agree. You see I where agree. I'm coming from. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I do. And um, I'm with you. I agree. I agree. I think, but... The from the flip side is like now it's becoming a little bit more consistent, like where the communication 
like using our specific platforms to communicate how we're feeling. I mean, yes. everyone has a has a guy that they're like, hey, look, I'm not really necessarily happy here. And then someone else gets that information. It's like, boom, it's up. And now it's like, a, now it becomes a rumor and now it starts trickling, like roll, becoming a snowball effect in terms of what you want to make happen. It's the weirdest thing ever. It's the weirdest it's, thing ever. It's very easy to manipulate if you run a website like theringer.com. <laughs> like Kawhi Leonard last month was at a Dodgers game. We did a post. We had a picture of it. We did a post about it. Like, hey, Kawhi Leonard's at a Dodger game. It became a story. So that's, I mean, that's a but thing. But all though. he was doing was going to a Dodger game. Yeah. But at the same time, he was sitting on the side where the Dodgers put their guests. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then we knew he <laughs> See, went to more, San Diego. Like, those See, details, there's layers to it. Those details are like, it just become <laughs> unbelievable. Like, this content <laughs> is just crazy. Uh, yeah. So when you go to Boston, the fans loved you immediately. And I don't think people realized how fun it was to have Kyrie Irving on their team game to game. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you'll, you'll do stuff every game. You, <laughs> you get money's worth out of Kyrie. But what, what was really interesting to me, because I had never really watched you day in, day out like that. And obviously mm-hmm. I love the Celtics. You, you leave like big scoring performances on the table. It's like, tell me if this is true. You, you'll know in the first quarter, you'll set the tone, you'll go by somebody once. And then it's like, all right, I know I can do that. And then you just kind of get everyone else involved, but you kind of keep it in your back pocket. You've, you had games where I was like, he's going to score 70. And then you wouldn't shoot for eight minutes. <laughs> so See? it's like you you kind of yeah, yeah. No, you feel I, the game out and you do what you need to do, but you don't feel the need to like dominate the game and get the hell out of my way. I'm shooting 35 shots tonight. You never do that. No, no, no. But I... I I can say that uh, as I've evolved as a, as a player, I think that the management of the game has become a little bit better because, um, you know, you're going to need your teammates at the end of the game. Yeah. So in order to have them get a rhythm, I know that, okay, this is a particular player or defender I'm going against that you know, I can take advantage of anytime, anytime I want. And, right. um, you know, I could, I could shoot this shot right here every single time down, but the I have to make it easier for other guys as well. Like that, that management of the game has to just be easy for them. Just, and, and that's what I've learned as, as being one of the, one of the players on the team, especially with Boston. Like we had young guys, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, just trying to do everything at once. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, like just ease into it. Like the game, it's a long game. It's yeah. a 48 minute game. That's, that's an eternity, man. So like the first six minutes, I'll know like, okay, this is a big time. If it's a big time, high level game, I know I have to put my mark on the game right away just yeah. to set the tone. And then for the rest of the game, you just manage it. Isaiah, this is my favorite thing about Isaiah Thomas. He would just he'd get everyone else involved for 44 minutes and we had to take over the last four. For sure. Take it That's over. the most fun. Yeah. And the stats, it's funny because we're so stats obsessed now. And then people start comparing. They're like, oh, Isaiah Thomas, he... It's only 20 points a game during the two title runs. And it's like, yeah, but he could have scored 35 a game. Yeah. The whole point was he gave up the 15 points a game to the other dudes because mm-hmm. he knew it was better for those guys. Mm-hmm. And he could always score when he wanted yeah. to. But I did see I did see signs from that from you mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. And you also had a young team. Hey, you yeah, lose Hayward in five minutes. Yeah. It, and that was tough. That was tough. Yeah, you us. were you were affected even the next game. It took you like a week to shake that off, it seemed like. Yeah, I, I just was pissed. I was pissed. I was pissed for our team and more or less for Gordon. You know what I mean? It was like he was just now starting to get a rhythm in preseason. Yeah. And then, you know, it was just it was just tough. It was tough. And then I'm the one that threw the pass. So I was just like, you know, for the alley-oop. And I was like, I was holding on to that for a while. I was just like, damn, bro. Because like, 
because at the time I, you know, and I'm not, I'll take responsibility, like I'll take part of the responsibility, but he was, he wasn't really open. I saw D Wade over there and then just, he came down like wrong. I'm just like, oh, F, like. I thought he got nudged that knocked him off balance too. I just was like, man. And then it was just, I was just, I'm still sick about it. It just was like, man, we, because we had a really good training camp, like yeah. a really good training camp. And the preseason games weren't even going to be the, like the, the, the factor determining how we, how great we're going to be. I knew it from the first day. Yeah. Like, because the challenge of forming this team wasn't really hitting us. We had already come from different situations. Like JB, Jalen Brown didn't play last year as much, yeah. but he played in the Eastern Conference Finals. Marcus is coming up a year where we're playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. He has a big game against us, game three. They win on they win at home. Yeah. Terry comes in. Me and him don't necessarily expect to go against one another, but we, we're now teammates. And now the challenge of like, okay, I'm going against you every day. You're going against me every day. That's only going to make us better. Yeah. JT comes from Duke. Very, very talented. Am I going to be a superstar as well as our other young guys? But he was nervous about like, okay, where do I fit into all this? Like any other rookie. But he was just talented as shit. Like I'm looking at him. I'm like, bro, you are, <laughs> you do some things that I'm just like, they're Kobe-esque. Yeah. But he finishes around the rim really well. And he's athletic and he has long arms. I'm like okay, now how do I elevate him? Then when Gordon went down, the opportunity shifted to those guys. So my attention went to them of just helping them develop that attitude. Like you got to be a killer every single night. Don't take anything for granted out here on the floor and, and we'll be fine. Tatum uh, by December, I was like, wow, something's here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he still didn't really even realize it in game seven of the Eastern finals when he dunked on LeBron and hit a three over him and then didn't get the ball for the next four minutes. Because he's a kid, but it's all there. Mm -hmm. I mean, the I, tools I'm, are there. I am not worried about that. Dude. The tools are there. Yeah, yeah. Which, I, I couldn't yeah. believe how well he did for how young he was. And plus, he hit the rookie wall, and it was like, all right, he hit the rookie wall. That's fine. We'll get some good stuff out of him sometimes. But it's we've seen this. Mm -hmm. And then after you got hurt, it seemed like he kind of regrouped. Mm -hmm. well, and then I no thought choice. he was really yeah. He had no he choice. Had no choice. He had to shoot he had at no that choice. point. And Brad just. You know, Brad is one of the most adaptable coaches um, that I've ever been around. He's yeah. just an highly intelligent um, about the game, about life, and talking to him is always awesome. I just had dinner with him the other night, um, him and his wife and his kids. And, you know, talking basketball with him is just, it's it's such a relief you yeah. know, to have a basketball mind like that, an appreciation of the game. Like, doesn't forget plays, like, knows when the, the shift in the game happens and, you know, he was. We were going over like things that could have been done differently this season, and and it just it was like it was a breath of fresh air talking to him. Um, yeah, he's so know. good on those out of bounds plays that I get mad when we don't score. I use <laughs> we like I'm on the team. It's like, what do you mean? It's eight seconds left. This yeah, is yeah. our time. Yeah, Coming yeah. out of timeout. Yeah, yeah. Who's getting a layup? Guar guaranteed. Yeah, misdirection action for. He's like a savant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But thought, like for, for the most random person too. Yeah, it's like. Aaron Baines coming off a down screen for a mid-range jumper in the, in the middle of the lane. And it's like, nobody expects that. Right. Like, should have set a Chicago pick or Al sets it for Baines and Baines curls. And like, if Baines isn't open, then he goes into a dribble handoff. And it's just like, okay, now we play read and react game. Um, you know. I loved what he did against Philly in the confetti game when he called the timeout after he saw what they were doing on defense to set up the lob for Horford under the basket. And that was sick. Adapt. He yeah. adapts. Yeah. What, compare and contrast him and Coach K. 
Oof. There is no compare and contrast between those two. They're 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 great individuals. So I don't even, you know. But I, I think that I would say that coach is also adaptable. I, I would say that that that's something that they share. Coaches, you know, when I came into school, coach was talking about um, you know, how I was gonna be part of it. And yeah. He's like, nah, you're just gonna you're just gonna run the you're gonna run our team. Yeah. Like, you're not a, you're part of the team, but you're gonna run our team. Like you're a freshman. I was eighteen years old. No, you're going to run our team. And then, you know, we've just developed a great friendship over the years. Um, Do you feel like a Duke guy? Because how long were you there? Like eight months? Of course, man. Look at, look at this. Look it at was this like you had like a cup of coffee there. <laughs> I mean, I may have stopped at Panda Express on campus a few times. <laughs> you wear Duke gear? Yeah, of course. Like, do you bet guys on the team during March Madness? Like, are you that, yeah. at that level? Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone likes to bring it up, but I... I, I would I would just say this. This is my argument. It takes others thirty some games, sixty games to get to the NBA. It took me eleven. Right. You Duke, I, wore, I wore Duke on my chest. We were number one in the country. We were eight and zero, and then get to the tournament and lose to Derek Williams in the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, I was, uh, I'm still sore about that. You Tatum, and then if they take Grayson <laughs> Allen with twenty seven, you have like a whole Duke side of the locker room. You just paint it, paint this. Side of it, yeah, blue. Yeah, you know, put a Coach K Danny. picture up there for sure. Idolize <laughs> Coach. What was it like sitting out the playoffs and then watching them make a run? So, it sucked, man. It sucked. Because you have to sucked. be supportive, leader, veteran guy. Yeah. But at the it, same time, you want to be out there for sure. So it like absolutely sucked, and um, you know, I, I can't even sugarcoat it. It was it was tough. Um. Not from like kind of watching the guys, but of what I was dealing with outside of that. Like I was leaving the games at halftime because I had eight hour shifts of antibiotics I had to take oh, for yeah. my infection. I had a pick line in my arm, you know, for two months. And I'm just like, every day is like, okay, you know, I can't necessarily lift. I can't run. I, I can't do anything. If I didn't have my um, kind of pick line in for my infection, then I, I, would have definitely gone after trying to be ready for at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Really? Yeah, for sure. But the infection was just, I had no, like I got two surgeries in a matter of, I think it was a three-week span. I got the screws taken out, then I, you know, I had to take out everything completely. I got the wiring taken out first, excuse me, and then I got the screws taken out. So so. you felt, you were playing, you felt just a constant agitation. Yeah, I felt like my body was kind of rejecting the screws at, at a point. And oh, interesting. Yeah, Probably because it, it had the infection, right? Yeah. And, and I, it just was like, my body was just like, okay, the screws of, uh, you know, I was talking about my body as I know it. And yeah. it's just like, after a while, my body was just telling me like, bro, what are you doing with this metal in your body anymore? Like it, it served its purpose. I'm healed. Yeah. But now it's like, it's just getting in the way of, of you just being completely healthy. So, so um, they took the screws out and they found that the areas the area was a little infected Mm -hmm. and was actually dangerous to you. Yeah. Really dangerous. Really dangerous. So what, if they hadn't taken the screws out, what would happen? Uh, I would have just had, you just would have felt like crap. Yeah. Like crap. And it would just got worse. Like I started to have some muscle deficiencies and, um, or atrophy, excuse me, in my, in my left quad, just because my, my leg just started to shut down. It just was, you know, after a while, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. So how do you feel now? I feel good now. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I feel like me, you know, before I knew I had screws in my knee. Now I'm just like, okay, I'm, 
I'm screwless. I have a lot, I have some friends with the Celtics. <laughs> I have some friends with the Celtics, and I was envisioning this Willis Reed scenario for you in Game Seven. I was like, "No, he's gonna he's gonna play, right? He'll be all right." And they're like, "No, that infection's bad. He's not playing. No. There's no chance." Mm-mm. It was the same thing with Hayward. It was like, "Yeah, Hayward could come back in round three earlier." They were yeah. like, "No, no, yeah. he's not coming back." Hey, even he even, broke his ankle. He's not coming back. Even Gordon with his plate, yeah, being taken out. I think you know it. Uh, yeah, it, it's just tough to have like metal in your body for a while. You know, um, when I got it, the doctor was like, okay, this may be in for a few years. And it was like, after two years, it was like, this is done. Yeah. So, so you was, would you say it was a mistake not to do it last summer if you had to do it over again? I, 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 I didn't, it wasn't as, uh, as bad last summer. Like yeah. I didn't really, it, it didn't affect me as much. Um, you know, then in the beginning of the season too, as well, I had maybe a little bit of pain and then it would be good. Yeah. And then it would come back and then, you know, and then I would have to deal with it. And I would, some games I just played, you know, with it just being the way it was hurting, but, you know, I didn't really mind. I was just focused on kind of, like, there was a lot of vengeance that I had in my, <laughs> in my, in my mind just yeah. of, of just, I want to play great. I want our team to be great. I want to go into the playoffs, like with our team being great. I want to really go after this. And then. When I came back from All Star break, I think I played maybe six games, five games. I came out firing like I was just, and then I got to uh, Houston. Yeah, that Houston game, and after that, I was like, I, I that just was a great go. game. Uh, yeah, it was, but I wasn't even, I wasn't even feeling it. Like I wasn't even feeling the game. I, I was yeah. focused, so focused on my knee that I was like, and I hate that type of. Uh, you know, kind of performance from me in a big game like that. Like going against Houston, there was a possibility that we could have been playing in the finals. And it was like, man, I want to, I want to play great tonight. And, yeah. you know, it's fucking quiet 18 points. And say, I'm just like, man, I wanted to, I wanted to destroy them. Yeah. But I just, my knee just went, I wasn't going for it. What's the best stretch of your career that you've had? Last three games of 16 finals? The best stretch? Yeah. Where, where you just felt like you were at the peak of your powers. I've, I've yet to feel that. Oh, I like that. I like hearing that. You're on the yeah. Celtics. Yeah, I have yet this to. This is great. I have yet to feel that. Like the championship run was incredible, but I have yet to I feel that. I mean, you did like, have 45 in game five, right? 41. 41? Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Game seven finals coming out of the timeout. And they get their, the shots going to you. Mm-hmm. You know it's going to you. What are you thinking? Make the shot. <laughs> First and foremost, you like, but, I'm making this or I hope I make this or is everything I, I, blocked I, out? What's the mental process? Because that's a pretty big spot. Yeah. It was just calm. It was calm, man. It was calm. I, either way, make or miss, I was going to be cool with the result. It just was, it just was actually just stepping up and taking it. I had taken that shot, you know, since I've been 16 years old, you know, kind of right, hezzy, step back, going to my right hand and it creates enough distance um, between me and the defender to get the shot off. It's a little fade to the right, um, you know, but my angle to the rim was just perfect. You know, it was just, just knock it in. Can you work on your traveling this summer? Uh, traveling is now in. Harden <laughs> takes five steps when he takes a three now. I think you need to add that. Can you add two more steps on the step back? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen what Harden does now? Yeah. And apparently it's still not a travel. No, He's gathering I don't think it's a travel. I don't think it's a travel. Well, because he's gathering the ball, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, but it was like he's at the point now. James is at the point where he doesn't even see the defender anymore. Like 
It doesn't matter who's on him. Like yeah. that space and he creates with his step back. He like lines up the ball. Like he just he just takes a step back and just like literally just like I'm six six. Yeah. I'm an incredible shooter now. I can go by you or I can shoot this. Yep. And and also he conserves energy. Like it's so easier, it's so much easier to get to 30 with five threes. Yeah. Than to get to 30 taking all twos and mid-range jump shots. Right. Like and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he probably I think he would have attempted eight, nine threes a game. Yeah. So you shoot what, 36%, 36 to 40%, you know, you shoot nine threes. You know, you can live with those odds. Who's the worst guy to get switched on to? The worst guy? Yeah, for for you, we were like, oh god. I, I don't. I mean, switching on to bigs is like a. Yeah, that's like I I I love the challenge, but I I usually come out of that situation a little bit more hurt than when I went in. Mm. <laughs> like I, I like just like yo, I'm about to I'm about to bang with I'm about to bang with him. I'm about to give him. Yeah. I'm about to. Right, I'm about to show him that I'm just. I'm actually pretty strong. And then when they just put like one elbow in your chest or yeah, like they just back their backside into you and you just like, you got to take that first initial hit. Like the, the first one's cool. And then the second one's just like, what am I doing down here? Like, <laughs> get, get, the, like get the hell out of here, man. Yeah. LeBron had some moments like that when he'd have a smaller guy switch on. Like a couple of times Marcus would try to reach in and LeBron would just get mad and he would just like flex his shoulder. So yeah. the next time it happened, yeah, Marcus is really wall. strong too. Yeah. Marcus is really strong. I actually thought Marcus like, did a pretty good job on LeBron. He's yeah. just six inches shorter than him. Yeah. But yeah. He, he makes it tough. He makes feisty. it tough. He's an incredible defender. Uh, what was it like to have Marcus Smart as your teammate for an entire year? It was uh He's a beloved Boston athlete. No, I know. Um he he like he just does things for your team that you're just like when he came back and the first thing he did when he got in was dive on the floor after <laughs> right. he's just been out for a month and some change after getting thumb surgery. Like, yeah, he's got a split on his that hand. That in itself is like, but he's on my team. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You got to love that type of effort. And, um, you know, he just, he he, he adds like a, a versatility for our team. So There was a lot of guys on that team um, last year and hopefully this year too that just kind of connected with the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know? Marcus I think Morris. When Marcus... When he gets that one offensive rebound in traffic and then flies back and gets a three-point play and goes flying into the basket support, like people would just get fired up, mm-hmm. you know? And like when you would go on your little runs and mm-hmm. I don't know, the, I thought the crowds were like especially good oh, this year. They were incredible. And they, were, they were really helpful to the fans the playoffs incredible. too. I mean, the thing about the Houston game, we we're down by 26. Yeah. Um, you know, two refs out there and like after a while, you just, the fans, they just, they're, we, it got to the point where we were never out of a game basically. Yeah. Like, Ever. We were ever, even on the road, but more or less at home. Like you make a, we used to go on 10 0 runs in the final two minutes being down 16. Like, and the crowd just erupts. They're like, oh, we have, like, we've had a chance this whole game. I'm glad you guys stepped up your effort. Let's reward them by just giving them everything we have. And yeah. Then, you know, so. Yeah, cool. you could feel it in the, in the arena. Mm-hmm. There's been some special Celtics teams over the years, but the, uh, what happened? I mean, after you got hurt, it was just like, oh, yeah, all right, we're going to probably lose in round one. Maybe Brad will pull off a miracle. Mm-mm. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> not with our it's 3-2 in the Eastern Finals. Yeah, yeah. Uh-uh. Not with our coaching staff and not with our players this year. They 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 did an incredible job. Our matchups are, they're scary for, for teams. Really, really scary. Well, think about next year. Yeah. Like, really, really scary. No team is like, because not only in terms of our defense, but offensively, we have guys that can create off the dribble other yeah. than kind of me, Terry, or Marcus. 
those those our wings are just they're incredible. What's cool about next year's team is how flexible the lineups are. Mm-hmm. I, I do it in two K all the time. Three guards, you can do. Yeah, yeah I do it in two K all the time. You like, play the Celtics in two K. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I don't pick anybody else. I don't I pick appreciate that. Anybody else? Nobody else. I, I the starting five is me, JB, Gordon, JT, Al. Second five, Marcus. Rogier. I'll leave, I'll leave uh, Terry. I'll leave JB or JT in there. I'll leave Gordon in there, and then I'll throw Baines. And then you know, so you, you like just, the eight man rotation? It's eight, not eight nine man, eight yeah. nine man rotation. You know, we'll, we'll have a we'll have a, a pretty solid guy at the twenty seventh. Yeah, pick. it was it was funny hearing people be like, "Well, what's going to happen next year when Hayward comes back?" I'm like, uh, "We'll play Tatum, Brown, and Hayward together. <laughs> what's the problem? We did it. We'll in switch on defense, and it'll be great." Mm-mm. They like, oof, they have, it's scary. It's scary how good you're fired up good. for this year. You got to get through all this Uncle Drew promotion, and then we need you. We need you in. Which or some remote high school gym in Southern California, just working on your game. When can you start playing again? <laughs> like a month. What? So when you're not playing, do you feel like a void? Does it feel weird? No, no. I is that you're not one of those guys like, oh, this is my my quiet place. I no, no, here. no. Um, what I would say is that from the uh, the another perspective is that when I when I was injured and I was helm, I got to really really develop other interests and. And sell up, um, kind of really, really dive into some of my passions that I have, you know. So, like what? Like it's just appreciation of art, trying to create my business, you know. That you know, kind of watching. I, I fell in love with just watching CNBC. I, I think that is one of the most really, yeah, hilarious channels. It, it really is funny <laughs> to watch them go crazy over like <laughs> it's just companies and what the market is doing. It's like funny. Like it's like this just in <laughs> Pepsi just oh they're. They're trying to reach millennials in terms of consumer and beverage, and they're in competition, and they're trying to grow. And it's just like, well, welcome in so and so from Goldman Sachs is going to speak on what they're investing in. It's just like, it's just, it's just all all day though. Power Lunch is one of my favorites, uh, you know. So I just literally used to just turn it on in the morning and just leave it on all day, all day. So, yeah. do you like the earlier NBA schedule? Cause, yeah, because all of a sudden it's like September and everything's going again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's a there is a demand for it, you know. So I don't, I don't mind giving that to the to, to the fans. Yeah, you know, there's a demand for the game of basketball. There's a demand to see great players on the floor. You know, you get to see us 82 times a year. So, and then including the playoffs. What's so. your ideal schedule? 75, 70? No, nah, man, probably like two college seasons. Probably like 60. 60. 60. I don't think the owners will go for that. No, no. Like I said, there's too much of a demand. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like, people love basketball right for now. For sure. Did you watch the finals? Are you watching it like a fan and it was it was like I watched it as a as a as a, a kind of as a critic and then as yeah. well as a of like a fan of 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 kind of both teams, you know? So it was just man, it it was an interesting finals to say the least. What what was your reaction when JR forgot the score? <laughs> Having played with him for years. I mean, and LeBron as well. Like shit happens, man. Like, you know, it, it just shit happens sometimes. It, in that type of environment, of course, it was gonna be like the biggest thing ever. Like, yo, what could have happened in those four seconds? You know, could yeah. you put up a floater. You start putting all the scenarios and all the pressure on. Like, what? What if? What if? Like, people love doing that shit all day. Yeah, right? that's what our society is like built on all the time. Like, it's just like, what if? What could? Should have happened. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's what I'm saying, yeah. bro. And then like, you draw emotion to that. 
And then like people just start kind of having their own like perception of it. You know, it's just like, but at the end of the day, like shit happens, bro. The clip didn't help of LeBron on the bench. No. reacting and then no. sagging back with the hands over his head. No, but it did seem like that killed them going into the OT. I went to the game and you could feel like did they, did it, they it, score? It, I think that I mean the Warriors yeah. won the OT by ten. Yeah, it, you it could, just yeah. felt like uh, it took LeBron out. I've never seen LeBron angrier ever because he was so mad about the call. He's mad about Jr. and then he pinned the Steph shot at the end on the backboard and then was like talking shit to him, which he usually doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was emotionally. He's very aggro. Yeah, emotionally, <laughs> emotionally, emotionally, in the finals is just—it's the biggest stage, biggest yeah. stage. So you you make one mistake on there, you say one misquote on there, and they're they're killing you for it. They're just killing you for it. that's. Do you like the press conferences? Are you amused by them? Amused? Yeah, because it's basically nine out of every ten questions are going to be awful, and you have to sit there and pretend and just not be sarcastic and. Pick them apart. No comment. Glad the NBA does a great job showcasing us. Oh, that's a great answer. You're really good at this. <laughs> you might Redirect. have to get your own CNBC. Redirect. You should get your own CNBC show someday. <laughs> Redirect. <laughs> no, um, but I think it's just like it just becomes it just becomes like it just becomes entertainment. There's too much of it. Like this. You know, Draymond said about this about Tristan. Tristan said this about Draymond. It's like, bro, give it a break. It's just the finals. People eat it up. It's just the finals, man. Like, just who cares? Like, we just want to see you guys play. Like, just play play the game. All that personal stuff can go out the window. We have a winner. We have a loser. Everybody goes home. Okay? (laughs) One team celebrates. One team goes home and makes offseason moves. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like offseason started. Once the game was over, offseason started. Who's signing extension? Who and like it's just like the Warriors just won the chip. No, the offseason started. The actually the offseason started today with this Kawhi story. We had about the offseason. We had a week. The offseason started at All Star break. What does that mean? Oh, with the texting and the the All All Star break, the buttering up. Yeah, All Star break. It started. It started. So you you're a believer. In what? In the players. Hey man. Hey, what about this summer? <clears throat> No, I think I think we all have great relationships. Redirect. <laughs> can't get can't keep, I don't want to get caught for tampering or all right. It's tough. It's tough. It's a tough life out here, Bill. Celtics are the number two favorite next year. Are we? Yeah. Six to one. Oh, you already you already looked it up? I, I look this stuff up all the time. This is what I do. <laughs> six to one? Yeah. You the that? Lakers, the Lakers climbed to six to one this week just because of the rumors that LeBron was here looking for schools with his kids. So that's that's happening too. And now the Kawhi thing as well. <sighs> yeah. Man, this is gonna be intense. LeBron Kawhi blank. That's a contender. We're also forgetting about Paul George. Well, that's that's what I mean. Paul George, or maybe some somebody we're not thinking of yet. That's the thing. You never know. Nobody knew you were available in mid-June last year, you know, and then all of a sudden you were available. Yeah. So I always feel the biggest thing is the shorter contracts. I think that's why there's more movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, you know, you think about 15, 20 years ago, like Jalen Rose, he signed like a seven-year, $100 million deal or something in Indiana. Yeah. And he's there for seven years or, they, or they're in control of trading him. But the way you guys have rigged it now, it's basically like LeBron is been the smartest of all it's like just constantly running it back one year one year one year mm-hmm. one year so he has more power mm-hmm. um I'll tell you that value um that 
we that us as players have have really really just figured out like we know where we add value we know um kind of how great we are as players and how do you work with management to ultimately win multiple win a championship or win multiple championships go after year after year yeah you know and then at the end of the day first comes first is be happy like like i said that's 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 the main reason like i feel um you know i'm so supportive of players kind of doing what they want to do like if that's your happiness bro go after it it's an amazing generation of players i have talked about this on the podcast before but you know when i was growing up the, especially the younger guys were really hit or miss and some of them couldn't handle either their first big contract or the attention or mm-hmm. just the pressure playing. And then you went through the eighties and drug, you know, drugs yeah. were a big issue in the eighties. Then you went to the nineties and guys are 19 getting $80 million contracts. They're just handling it badly. Like the hip hop mm-hmm. generation. Then the LeBron generation comes in and now everybody handles their business. Well, like mm-hmm. I was talking to Donovan Mitchell at the, at the finals, the guy's like, he's 35 years old. Yeah, and he's twenty two. Mm-hmm. Tatum's the same way. Tatum already knows how to be boring in interviews. Mm-hmm. He's not going to say anything. No, and but it's this whole generation. I think they learn from the LeBron Wade Bosch generation of like kind of how to handle their business. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Yeah. So you agree with it? You no, know, I agree with it. I agree with it. Um, I think that we all try to individually create our own. Like we're, we all try to be a trailblazer one way or another. Yeah. In terms of how we view our business, the opportunities that we're afforded. Um, how do we take advantage of that? I don't think necessarily, you know, um, athletes are just trying to position themselves with with just a brand as just getting paid for it. Now, you know, you start looking in, into the deal itself. Like people are looking for equity. Like, we're no, we yeah. we actually want to be part of this if we're going to try to grow this business for right. you. Like, you can use my likeness. You can use who I am. You know, it comes with a lot. But the value I'm adding to this is just a lot more than just maybe here, take this amount, X amount of money to you know, promote this brand. Cool. But now it's like on the back end, like, what are you, what am I, what am I actually getting from it? Like, what are we getting from each so other? So you want to cut from 2K basically. You want an <laughs> extra tip? You're one of the most fun 2K guys. Is there so, anything they got wrong with your 2K character? Is there anything that, that they did, they've could have added that you don't have? Is the uh, Hezzy my correct? Hair. My hair, man. Oh, the hair, they you don't like, like the hair? They gave me like, like I was losing my hair and like, <laughs> In the back like of my hair, like, I'm just like, bro, I'm not losing my hair. Like, <laughs> so I think, you know, and then also they like completely disrespected me, like in terms of giving me a 90. I was uh, just like, bro, how am I going to be the cover athlete? And then I'm a 90. I was like, come on, man. And then they, you know, after a while I told them I was going to work for it. And then now I'm a 93. So I was cool. Yeah. I, I, you could go a little higher than that. I'm, I'm humbly at 93. I don't mind it. I just would love to be over 90. I was hovering around the 89, 90. They give you the hundred handle, I bet. For sure, you have to. Um, the handle, I mean, come on now. When did you start working on the handle? What age? Like six? I've been dribbling since I was 18 months. Really? Yeah. You did? Didn't, I didn't really start really get, I didn't start getting creative with it until maybe high school. High school. I always had like, I tried to emulate Allen Iverson's crossover, but instead of left to right, right to left. And then I just started kind of working on combinations and it just took off from there. Yeah, because watching you, especially during some of the more boring games, it seems like you were experimenting in the game. <laughs> yeah, like it's going fun. to the rim and be like, I, I know I could this could be conventional, but I'm gonna do a double pump lefty instead sure. to see if this goes in. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Why not? It's, this is what the game is for. I know I get that probably the situation may not be right all the time in terms of trying it, but like, I think that's kind of what what separates me is like 
all right, cool. You know, we, we can have the normal stuff, the mid-range pull-up. But then, hey, let's throw like a little post-up, like fade, shimmy, going yeah. baseline, shooting over the, like kind of over the side of the glass. Or let's get this bank shot going left, like floater from like the free throw line. Right. Like just try it. Like I practice it, so why not try it? Yeah, Curry seems like he does that too sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I wonder if I can make this. He's yeah, like, I you're mean, 37 feet away from the basket. And then he it goes knows in. he can make it though. Yeah. It, and he's like, he confidently shoots that because he practices. He works on it. I mean, he shoots half court shots before he, for his warm up. That, that's ridiculous. Right. Like I, I've never seen, I've, I've never seen. And a he has shooter. a crowd. I, I mean. And his, the guy who passes the, the balls to him for the shots is like kind of a celebrity at the games. Mm-hmm. The guy with the beard. Mm-hmm. He throws perfect chest passes right at Steph's nipple. Just gets it perfect right in the same spot every time. <laughs> Clearly, you've been watching this. I was I was watching the finals. I was like, this is one of the best free shows we have. <laughs> Steph Steph shooting like 30 footers routinely. That yeah. guy said he made 77. 77 threes? In a row. I believe it. He's an incredible shooter. Um, the Celtics said that they were surprised how much, from a personality temperament standpoint, you reminded them of KG. Mm-hmm was uh, one of the notes mm-hmm. I heard through the grapevine. Yeah. That you were very hands-on, mm-hmm. very emotional in a good way about just getting stuff done correctly and right. Mm-hmm. And Not um, really not really talkative in, in terms of um, kind of uh, what people asked about what was going on in our team because I didn't think that was necessarily important for everyone to know. Um, but yeah, just forming our identity. That was... Yeah. That was one of the most important things in order to go after championships is forming that identity in order to go after something that's bigger than yourself. And, you know, when you have guys that are kind of willing to listen, you know, it makes it a lot easier. Those guys wanted it. So, it, you know, they, they wanted me to be hands-on. So it was easier for me, easy for me to do it. Did you know you want that? Cause you wanted that. Cause at Cleveland, obviously LeBron's deciding everything. And part of being the best guy on a team is only one guy gets to kind of decide. Mm-hmm all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But I think that narrative is like, it just itself that, you know, kind of that thinking is just outdated. Like, okay. It's just outdated now. Like, because, you know, of, of course the best player, it should have that responsibility, but like, and then, and then it becomes, we blame everybody else. If it's not, you know, a success for that best player, like it, right. it's just like, just let it go. You know what I mean? Like everyone shares a responsibility within winning and losing. So, you know, don't have the responsibility put mainly on, you know, him. And then, you know, when, when it falls, it's like, okay, he falls with and his teammates. Like, just like in it, I think it's just a little outdated. That's all. Like, because we all are showcasing our talents one way or another. We're sharing yeah. this responsibility to win a basketball game. If we've come up short, we all must take responsibility. That's all I've tried to do in my career. Yeah. You know, even if I have to take majority of the blame, it's like, cool. But, you know, my teammates, you know, even in wins and losses, I still have to elevate them, still have to give them that that confidence, still have to echo that I believe in them. How long did you film Uncle Drew for? <sighs> a month and a half in Atlanta. And you were in prosthetics and playing basketball. Yeah, it was hot as shit out How there. How many hours of prosthetics? Sometimes it would be 16-hour shoot days. In Atlanta? Yep. That sounds like torture. Yep. How, well heavy, how heavy were the prosthetics? Heavy. God. Yeah. Intense, bro. I mean, intense. How long did it take to get off? I ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> I used to rip it off. Like, I, I like because we'd be playing basketball or we'd be uh, kind of in a, a nursing home or be, uh, 
you know, in the club dancing and, you know, it was like, it just got really hot. It got really hot, but I was well worth it though, because I, I got to kind of like work on, um, you know, kind of my language a little bit with the ladies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Can like, you if you explain could fall, more? like if you could fall for Uncle Drew, <laughs> if you could fall for Uncle Drew, if I could talk to a female with Uncle Drew makeup on, mm. bro, I'm living it. I'm living it. Like if if I could if I could talk, and even though they knew it was me underneath, but yeah, just Uncle Drew talking to like a female, like yo, wearing an all velour suit. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's going to be weird if you're going to bars two years from now dressed as Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what made you want to be a star of a movie? Uh, I had, I really had no, I, I didn't really want to. It just like happened. You know, it started as like an internet short um, kind of series and then elevated to a commercial. And they were like Lionsgate and Temple Hill and uh, Jay Longino wrote the, wrote uh kind of the storyline, the narrative, then Charleston III directed it. And I was like, boom, you're our lead. And that was it. I was just like, okay, this is a real thing. Like, this is a real thing. Like, I, I, it took me a while to really come to terms with, I have a freaking movie coming out. Like, I, I just couldn't. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a, okay. We're, I'm, we're focused on getting, getting better as an athlete. And then like, no, I actually have to promote this movie two different sides of, of the spectrum. Like I'm talking now talking to living arts media outlets about my acting. Did you study up on the history of NBA players as lead actors in movies? Cause it's, yeah. it's enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. That was my childhood was Dr. Dr. J and fish that saved Pittsburgh. My dad told Bernard me to watch King that. And fast break. My dad told me to watch that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else Ray Allen and he got game. Epic. Eddie had a lot of dudes. Epic. Um, yeah, no. One of my favorite Eddie Malik Sealy was really good in Eddie. I liked Eddie. I, I ride for Eddie. What, was that with Whoopi Goldberg? Whoopi Goldberg yeah. comes out of the stands and saves the Knicks. Yeah. It's terrible, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's remember just that one scene when she got on the airplane and was like talking to the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that scene. They used all NBA players in the jerseys, which yeah. is kind of crazy. That she got that like to they, be done. They, like the NBA endorsed the movie. I, I, yeah. was, and then of course you got Space Jam. Yeah. Like that was... That was also good seeing Michael. Blue Chips had those guys weren't in the NBA yet, but uh, Shaq and Penny. Were. I thought that was epic. That was like legendary for the for the for the uh, amateur culture. Yeah, like amateur basketball culture. Above the rim didn't use anybody. They, they used Dwayne Martin. I don't know. I think he might have played for like a year in the NBA, but they didn't have like the you know Tupac. Obviously, it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, that was incredible. So you have high hopes for this movie. It sounds yeah, like. yeah, for sure. I'm 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 like. Now I'm starting to turn into um, the exciting part of it. Yeah. You know, this is like, we're getting towards the date. The promotion itself is, is really, really epic. Um, I get to kind of experience different avenues within kind of the movie, the film realm, um, you know, and just talk about, you know, things other than basketball all the time. So it's like, it's, it's cool, you know? And, and then of course my cast, like they're awesome. About to leave here and go do a um, kind of a video capture with them. And it's just exciting. Oh, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different feel. You yeah. Know? Like, it's like, cool. You know, no, you play for Boston, but like, what the hell are you doing in the acting world? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, uh, just a lead, lead actor in a movie coming out. So, yeah. 
So you'll do it again, it sounds like. If there if there is a sequel, then I definitely would. Definitely yeah. would. My strength and conditioning coach, Robin Pound, though, would absolutely say no. Absolutely say no, though. Were you surprised your shoes became as popular as they did? Like my son, who plays basketball, um, like like the Kyrie's were like the shoes to get if you're ten years old in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. They were like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> Are the shoes cool, or is it cool to say I have the Kyrie's, or is it you, or is it all combination of all those things? Because uh, I was asking him, and he's like, "I just like the shoes, and I like how he plays." Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, I was. Being authentic, man, like in terms of also having that connection to the youth of making, of just well, making it seems sure. like you do have that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I like, Plus I, the 2K I, thing helps, I think. The 2K thing helps as well as, uh, kind of, I would say my personality on, onto it as well. And, and also where I get my inspiration from, it's really comes from that 10 year old place of, being in my backyard or being with my dad and being in intimate settings and learning the game of basketball, but while still developing other interests outside of that. Um, and then just releasing like really dope colors, like the aesthetics on the shoe are, you know, we started, we start out as like kind of like this blank shoe and then I just come and chop it up. Yeah. Oh, so you have real input on it. Y- yeah. That, that's one. Yeah. You, you can tell, I mean, it, well, I never know what this stuff. I never know, I know if people I, pretend I, they have the input or they actually have the input. No, I no. My meetings are like, I run my I run my FM, Nike meetings. Like I'm yeah I'm no that if it's if it's my name on it then I'm definitely running the damn meeting. Like hey, like I love what you guys are doing here, but here we go. Let's do it here, and then we just I have an incredible relationship with Nike, so they give me the freedom to be me. So when you have the Kyrie Irving podcast on the Ringer. You're going to run that. You're going to run the meetings when we have the show meetings and stuff. <laughs> You'd be good at podcasts. Maybe in the works. Ah, oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> Come on, Tommy. Maybe, maybe in the works. Be good. We'd be in the road. We'll send you some mics. You and Jalen Brown. <laughs> Jalen Brown's a smart dude. Really smart. Yeah. Really smart. I He is one of the most interesting people to talk to. I'm really interested to see what happens with his life over the next 15 years. Because I, yeah. I do think... I, especially as his profile gets bigger and the Celtics are good, all that stuff. Like I do think he'll use his platform in ways that guys don't normally use them. For you sure. Agree? For sure. And we got to, you got to tell Tatum he's got to shoot more next year. You got to yeah. do the Isaiah next year. You just got to do the 89 Pistons Isaiah. You just get your 19 a game, but take over when they need you and just get the shots for everybody. Um, Bill, You're going to be like the dad. Trying. You're going to be like the dad at the table. Like making, you have to divide up the, the food, the mac and cheese. <laughs> it's my favorite food, by the way. Uh, no, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a challenge, though, which is what I'm most uh, excited about. Because now you go from being able to kind of make some mistakes, and now like our expectations from everyone are just going to yeah, be totally are, different. People are picking him in the title, mm-hmm. assuming everybody comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. And Danny doesn't make a crazy trade. Who knows mm-hmm. with him? He loves trading. He's Danny. He'll trade anyone. He doesn't care. Why do you got people all excited, by the way, when you talk, or, or not, I guess excited is not the wrong word, scared? When somebody asked you about what was happening in a year and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen a year from now. Yeah, you I, can't do that in Boston. People are too crazy. It's hot there now. <laughs> they're, they're crazy people. It's, it, you know, I wouldn't, I couldn't be anything but truthful. So 
So you really don't know. You're just thinking year to year. No, I, I have to. That's where my focus is. Because I, I know that question is going to come up a lot. I, and, I, and I'm doing my best to really just redirect like that attention towards what we're able to accomplish next year. So, you know, that, that's all I'm focused on. Like, it, it would be great to like, oh, I'm doing this for sure, but I, you just don't know. If you sign with the Knicks, I'm canceling the Kyrie Irving podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. How do you It'll know I'm going to the Ringer? How do you know I'm going to the Ringer? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just saying. If we, if I'll be very upset. Maybe I won't cancel it, but I might, might doctor the tapes a couple of times. Are you going to delete our podcast? I'll delete the archives. <laughs> Cut me left. Screw this. Uh, good luck with the movie. Good luck with the knee. Thank you. I'm glad everything's well. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad we finally did this. Appreciate it, bro. 